Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a busy breaking news day in the Raider Nation. Hope you're doing well listening to Raider Nation Radio, the flagship of the Silver and Black, brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They own PT, Sean Patrick, Sierra Gold, the SG Bar, where I'll be tomorrow, and excited to be there. Also, they own the Stratosphere, Arizona Charlies. They have the best happy hour in town. So wherever you go, it's sports. They fuel the monologue. We thank PTs every day for kicking off the show for us. Head on out to a PTs for a cold one. If you're playing video poker, if you're looking for lunch, you're looking to get together and watch the Golden Knights, you know what I think and how we partner up with PTs. So I woke up. I do late-night radio, as you might know. I do two shows a day, five hours of radio a day without a co-host. I like it that way. I don't need a co-host. I don't need a co-host. Not that there's anything wrong with co-hosts. I know guys who have four co-hosts. I do radio on my own. I do the heavy lifting. I prep the show. I book the interviews with Bobby, and we set up the show. So when I go to bed at 10 at night every night, I am drained. I am physically and mentally drained. Takes me about two, two and a half hours to get to bed. Lately, I've been riding the Peloton. I watch a little late night. I look at my clock. It's usually 12.45, 1.30, and I go to bed. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I don't want to do is jump into the sewer of Twitter and see people coming after me or seeing breaking news. I like to start the day off. As I told people, the happiest part of my day other than being with my wife and sons, is walking my dog at the park in Summerlin every morning where I see a couple of old ladies who hug my dog, and I talk to a couple of old men who are there sitting at the park because they want to hug my dog, and I walk around, and I leave my phone at home. So I did that today, and then I came back and saw the Trent Brown news. So after I woke up, walked the dog, had a little bit of coffee, I went to social media, my phone was blowing up, friends are texting me about Trent Brown being gone and returning to the New England Patriots on a one-year deal. And the Trent Brown era has come to an end with the silver and black. And I am not shocked by this. You know, over the last couple of weeks, if you've heard guests, if you've heard Raider Insiders, those who host other shows, everybody pretty much had the same opinion on this. If he found himself in shape and he proved that he wanted to be here in Vegas, and he was ready to go, and he probably would need to restructure his deal because he's completely overpaid because he's been a bust, an absolute bust, since he's come to Las Vegas, then there was a chance he could stay. Or the Raiders are going to try to move him, and they did, and they don't get much in return other than getting out of this ugly salary that he was paid. And he'll go to the Patriots, and he'll probably, probably enjoy being there with the Patriots. But what bothered me the most on this move was Trent Brown's reaction. As he's talking about now, he was not happy. Really? He wasn't happy and how happy he is and the the message he's sending that he's leaving Las Vegas and he's happy to be out of here. Okay, that's what has infuriated me all morning. And I've wanted to get on this radio show and talk about this guy and what I've held back all year. Okay, I'm an employee of the team, and I work for this flagship radio station. I have more respect for the coach, the owner, the GM, and the players, and anybody you know on the radio who has this similar position. And there's a few of us that have this similar position. 
So I don't like to stir the pot because, you know, stirring the pot when you're working with coaches and players does not benefit my career. But we give everybody an open format. So if you've listened to my shows in the Bay Area since 1996, the reason I was hired was because I was putting Raider fans on the radio when Raider fans couldn't get on the radio. Let me clarify that again if you're new to the show. I was the guy putting Raider fans on the radio when no one was putting Raider fans on the radio. I was the guy in San Francisco two years ago on the flagship when they said, we don't want to talk Raiders anymore, even though we signed you to a six-figure one-year deal. You're not allowed out to talk Raiders. So I've been on the point of attack. I've been there. I've been hitting and getting shot out with verbally. I've been the guy with the arrows coming after me, and I love it. I love it. I love it. It's what's defined me in radio for almost 25 years. Raider Nation, and I'm not here to make friends and be popular with everybody. Okay, I'm here to do a job, and I do that job with everything I have every day. Now back to Trent Brown. The guy was an absolute bum for this organization. He was nothing for this organization. He was a disgrace to this organization. And I had to hold back saying that all year long because he might have been here and I would have to get on an airplane after COVID. I'd have to be around him. And I don't talk about behind people's backs. You know, trolls do that. They'll get into your DMs or they'll tell you this or that. And then you got to fight back with the bullies. So Trent Brown could break me over his knee and break me apart. So I'm not going to talk crap about him on the radio when he could be here. But let it be known, once he leaves and he disrespects Mark Davis, Mike Mayock, and John Gruden, he's fair game. And the Raider Nation should come after him today, verbally on the radio, for his conduct, which was detrimental to the team. For the fact that he had no interest in being with the Raiders other than when he got paid and cashed his guaranteed money, and then he left the team, and he left the team as a disgraceful player who, did, who had no passion for the city of Las Vegas, no passion for the fans. He tweeted about everything else from rap music to restaurants to cryptic things, and he never cared about being a Raider. Fact, not fiction. He did not care about the history of this team, that has had the likes of Jim Otto, Dave Dalby, Rodney Hudson, Lincoln Kennedy, Henry Lawrence, Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, just to name a few. Just to name a few, and uh, many of those men I know personally. He could have been the best tackle ever if he worked out and stayed in shape. But he's the laziest player, and he didn't give a blank. And the coaches knew this. He's the prime example of money ruining a player that doesn't care about the team, only himself. He was an absolute cancer to the Raider organization. Thank God he is gone. He does not deserve to be in this marketplace. He does not deserve to be representing the silver and black. You can talk about COVID and he wasn't right and what happened in Cleveland. He never wanted to be here. He never wanted to be a Raider to the level that he should have been because he was a great player. He was a great player from the time he came. And Tom Curran, who I know well, did a really good breakdown. I'm going to read it here after I take a breath. I'm going to read it here in a few moments as he works for NBC Sports Boston. And we've been tweeting and texting back and forth. He did a breakdown of Trent Brown and his career from San Francisco. And now he went to New England. He played great for New England and Belichick and won a Super Bowl. And the Raiders, who were looking for a right tackle, and they wanted an elite offensive lineman, did the right thing. 
they did their due diligence. They looked at the film. They interviewed him. They thought he was the right choice, and they brought him to the Raiders. I don't knock anybody for that. Okay? It's the same exact thing that happened to Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown wasn't a great player. He was super elite. He had the workouts of Jerry Rice. He, his career statistically was trending towards Jerry Rice, the greatest of all time, the GOAT. The Raiders signed Antonio Brown and gave him new fresh money over $30 million to come in and be the number one receiver. John Gruden's intentions were great to go after Antonio Brown. He wanted the Raiders to be better on offense and have a number one receiver. Antonio Brown had mental issues. He mentally broke down. He had personal demons and issues that broke him down. He imploded in Napa with his frozen feet and his hot air balloon, and the Raiders were fortunate to get out of that deal, but it really derailed that season because they got rid of him the weekend before the home opener on Monday night, and they lost a number one receiver. And in this league, you can't lose a number one. You can't lose a starting right tackle. You can't lose a number one wide receiver. You can't lose your quarterback and get through it. But I had no problem with Gruden going after Antonio Brown. He's the best receiver in football by far. It was Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and A.J. Green. And they went out and got one, and he was supposed to do great things. He didn't do it. Same thing for Trent Brown. It's not John Gruden's fault that Trent Brown ate himself out of the league. It's not John Gruden's fault that Trent Brown cared more about stuffing his face and eating and bloviating and getting out of shape and not being prepared to play and not having the passion to play because I personally believe he had issues in his head. I'll just leave it at that. He had issues in his head that derailed him where he lost his energy, was the king of the buffet table. He was the king of Uber Eats. He didn't want to play. He wasn't highly motivated. And you're blaming Mike Mayock for that? Really? I'm looking at some of the responses on social media about the Raiders and who they're signing and who they're bringing in. How dare anybody blame the boss who paid these guys this money and then those guys fell apart? Let me repeat, Trent Brown didn't fall apart, which he did as a football player, because John Gruden didn't coach him right. John Gruden's coach, Derek Brooks, who's in the Hall of Fame. John Lynch, who's in the Hall of Fame. Rondé Barber, who will be in the Hall of Fame. Great players up and down his entire career. Legendary players. John Gruden, when he signed Jerry, when Jerry Rice came to the Raiders, John Gruden didn't have to worry about his work ethic. John Gruden didn't have to worry about the work ethic of Tim Brown when Tim Brown signed a contract extension and said, oh, man, Timmy's getting all this money. He's just not going to play anymore. He's toast. I watched Randy Moss quit on this team. I watched him quit as I was on the sideline and he laid down on the bench. Oh, go ask Randy Moss about the Raiders. He'll yell at you. Whose fault is that? Was that Al Davis's fault? Was that the, No, that was Randy Moss's fault. So when these players quit on a team and they underachieve and they don't do well, you have one of two choices to make, which you're going to make that choice today, hopefully. You blame the player or you blame the organization. I find it hard that so many people are blaming the organization for their intention to want to get better, sign Super Bowl champions or the top players at their position, and then those players end up melting down, have mental demons, they have a problem with their conditioning, they're not motivated to play, and then everybody out there just throws stones at their own team. As Raider fans now are throwing rocks at their head coach, their GM, all the time. 
not the great fans. Everybody's a great fan. You're allowed to do whatever you want to do. But the inconsistency and the emotional breakdown of some fans who can't go from a Monday to Thursday without saying it's about me, it's about me, oh my God, uh, Gruden screwed me over, Trent Brown. What are you talking about? These are business decisions with players. And they're trying to find players who fit the system and are going to do well. If you really have a problem taking 30-plus million in a signing bonus, $60 million contract, moving to a place like Las Vegas with no state taxes, playing in a brand-new stadium, in a brand-new building. If you have a problem with that, get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here and quit like Trent Brown did on the Raiders. Antonio Brown quit on the Raiders. Go ahead and do it. They'll just get another guy to come in and hopefully want to be here. Do you understand how great Rodney Hudson is? He keeps winning the Commitment to Excellence Awards. You don't hear a peep about him. You don't hear a word out of him. He's a much better player than Trent Brown because he's available. And he, he's not a gossip. And he doesn't get lost on social media. And he doesn't, he doesn't let his teammates down on game day. He just goes out there and plays. The same thing with Colton Miller. Colton Miller, same type of player. How about the job John Gruden did finding Colton Miller and believing that, as John Gruden told me on the air and privately, hey, JT, I didn't have an offensive line. If I, didn't, if I didn't have this kid play, we, we had nothing. And he's turning out, and I think Colton Miller is going to be a pro bowler for years to come. Some players work, other players don't. So then you, the fan, has to figure out where you stand on these players. Trent Brown was nothing but a quitter. He was nothing but a lazy player who's the prime example in recent Raider history of a player to get paid and quit. I've been dying to tell you that for six months, but I haven't been able to do it for six months. And now I'm available to do it today. So if you said I'm holding back, no, I'm not holding back. I've been very critical of Trent Brown. But I can only go so far. And then on a day when Trent Brown is putting out on social media with his arm in the air that he's going back to the Patriots and he's going to be happy he's not happy there, screw Trent Brown. The Raider Nation should be all over this guy's ass for his laziness, his inability to play, not be a Raider, not live up to his contract, and not live up to his expectations. Did I miss anything? Am I missing anything on this guy? This guy stole money from Mark Davis. He was a bandit who showed up for work. And look, the COVID issue and the issues in Cleveland, I've heard certain things on and off the record about him. I just know it to be fact that he could have been available for many games. He chose not to. He ate himself out of shape. He wasn't in cardio shape. He wasn't prepared to play football most of the time he played here. He was a lazy player. So, of course, he's going to go to New England, and if he plays well, people will say, well, isn't it amazing that people leave the Raiders and get motivated to play somewhere else? Give me a break. Give me a break. This happens around the league all the time. Players get paid, they get a new contract, and they get lazy, and this guy did. It happens with boxers all the time. You know, boxers, they grow up on the mean streets, and they fight their way. They have 100 amateur fights. They're making no money. Then they win a title, and they get mansions, and they sleep in silk sheets, and they just can't keep it up. They get into drugs. They get into alcohol. They get into problems, and then in boxing, they implode because they can't handle the success. On a different note, Trent Brown can't handle the success of getting paid. 
He got a super big contract from the Raiders. The Raiders' intentions were to win a Super Bowl with him, put him in a great position to win, and he failed. You didn't fail. You, the Raider fans, who've had to sit out a year due to COVID, can't go into Allegiant Stadium. You, the Raider fans, who buy all the gear and support the team and support our radio station, you're not to blame. He's to blame. So I'd like your opinion on this chapter in Raider history coming to an end. Our number is 702-365-9200. I don't care if and when you ever call. But on days like today, you should. Because your voice needs to be heard. You need to, you need to tell us about what you think happens next. The Raiders now have a big problem, in my opinion, on their hands. They got to replace a player in Trent Brown who was good when healthy and who wanted to play, which he was not anymore. They got to replace him, and they got to replace Gabe Jackson. And they got to replace Richie Incognito. So the Raiders now all of a sudden have a big task in front of them. They have to rebuild their offensive line. Now, I've always thought, and I love Tom Cable. I really love Tom Cable. I think he's a really good you know, he was a head coach. He's a good position coach. But I've always thought this Raider offensive line over the last 10 years has been highly overrated because they're never available. Every year I put on Raider insiders and they tell me, oh, pro football focus is going to have the top five. I go, stop. You're wrong. They're not going to play. They don't stay healthy and they don't play. So I think they got to get guys who are available, who can play, some veterans, guys who have played before and you know that they can play. If they're able to do that, then I think the Raiders will be able to advance in the offseason, and now they have a tremendous amount of money that they freed up by letting underachieving players, underachieving players go, such as LaMarcus Joyner. Not Gabe. Gabe Jackson, great player. That was money. Trent Brown, underachieving bust in Raider history. Not Jamarcus Russell, but I got him pretty close to Jamarcus Russell, an absolute bust. And then they got you know other players who aren't going to be here because of salary issues, and they're going to have to fill in those needs. So I personally feel that the Raiders haven't lost anything. He played in what, two of 16 games last year? You're not losing any talent. He wasn't available. All he did was find a big pile of money, and he got lazy and heavy. Now it's up to Mike Mayock and John Gruden to put that money to good use. And they'll have to figure this out. And they got to do it quickly. And I think realistically that the Raiders are going to use some of this money on defense. As I've told you, I believe the Raiders are going to go out and make some moves and make a trade or do something significant in regards to a trade to get the defense better. But look, this isn't all rainbows and balloons. I'm not telling you this is a great day for the Raiders. The other option, as Mike Mayock had his press conference the other day, and if you, if you just watched it, and we covered it live, is that Mayock basically told you that he was looking to move him. He basically told you that if you read between the lines, and they ended up moving him. And they got, a, they got rid of a salary that was a mistake. And he's a guy that was a mistake. And, you know, I've been very lucky to interview. Have you heard all the interviews they've given me over the last year and a half? We call it once a Raider, always a Raider. I get a chance to interview former Raiders who have played, and some of them played only three or four games. You know, some of them only played a little bit, right? They've rarely played, but they're Raiders for life. I hope to never interview Trent Brown ever again. 
I hope to never interview him. I do not consider him a Raider. I do not consider him a once a Raider, always a Raider. I consider him a high-priced bandit who stole money, knowingly stole money, and had no intention of being great. He wanted to get paid. He got paid. He believes he's going to get the last laugh. Good luck with that. Good luck with that when Raider fans the rest of his life are telling him about his legacy with the Raiders. And it's a shame for Derek Carr because Derek Carr, all he does is show up and play his ass off. And Max Crosby and the young players who want to be Raiders, and they, and they really love this organization and what the organization is doing to change their lives. But for me today, you know, as former Raider executives are on other radio shows and people are mocking Gruden, and Gruden is this or Gruden's that, I've never had Coach Gruden's back more than I did today. Out of all the years I've worked with or alongside John Gruden, I've never had his back more than I have it today. Screw anybody who doesn't get it. I could give a crap. I don't know how long I'll be here. Coach Gruden will be here. What the world will look like in 5, 10, 20 years. But loyalty means everything to me. Everything. If you know me personally, you know my friends. You've been around my friends. Some of them will call this show. Loyalty is my number one trait. And Trent Brown was never loyal to the Raiders. He wasn't a Raider. He stole money from the organization. He was lazy and good riddance. Get him the hell out of here and bring in someone who wants to play. And we'll do everything they can to protect Derek Carr and have Derek Carr's back. That's the monologue. Ruben in Vegas. Start us off, Ruben. What's happening? Damn, JT, you need, you need a Remy Martin or a Modelo to calm down. Yeah. I love the monologue. Yeah, I need something. i got to drink something here. My throat's going to explode. Go ahead, Ruben. No, I mean, just really quick, man. I'm glad that guy is out of here, but that's the problem with professional sports. There's too much money involved that these guys just get, you know, lazy and not really care. You know, sometimes I see these guys play ball out. Why? Because they're on a contract here. They're trying to get paid, which I understand them as an individual. But there's just too much money involved. And then really quick, I love Gruden. I wish he never left the first time, but business is business. But a lot of the blame, the nation's just upset because these Coach Gruden and Mr. Mayock are making these decisions, and they should have maybe did their homework a little more. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a professional or nothing like that, but just as a fan. No, that's a Ruben. That's a fair assessment, and I know that they did. There was nothing more they could do. John Gruden wasn't going to take Trent Brown on a guy's trip to Maui and sit on a beach chair with him for five days before they signed him. You looked at the tape. You looked at his ability. You looked at his Super Bowl ring. You looked at the need that they had and his skill set, and there was nothing wrong with the hiring of Trent Brown. Trent Brown failed the Raiders. The Raiders didn't fail Trent Brown. They gave him a brand-new facility. They gave him a brand-new stadium. They gave him a rabid fan base. He failed the Raiders. This doesn't have Gruden. I don't think there's anything else John Gruden could have did. The only thing you could say is they overpaid for him in free agency, and, and that's a fair assessment, and that's, that's a money issue. And the Raiders have had some high-priced players that they've overpaid for recently that I'm sure Mark Davis isn't thrilled about as he's writing these checks. I, I feel you. I mean, as a fan, it hurts that we're just getting – I just hope, JT, I just hope we don't turn into the – Chicago Cubs where we don't win anything over 100 years, you know? Yeah, but I, I don't mean, think that's I don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, look, and I appreciate the call, Ruben. I mean, you could be you can choose to be super negative. It was a, let me ask you this. This is a perfect example. What do you think the Raiders would have been this year, this past year that just ended? They were 8 and 8. 
They should have been 10-6 and six easily. We have those wins. We've talked about it. What do you think the Raiders would have been if Trent Brown played the whole season? The entire year, all 16 games. 11-5? and five? Easily 10-6. and six. They would have been in the playoffs. That's how big of an opportunity was lost with Trent Brown. He could have been a dominant player. He could have played here for several, several years and could have been an elite player. And I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes you sign players that work out. Other times you sign players that don't work out. And that's a business. And the Raiders are running a business. And they're trying to get it right. I I just personally, I personally take it so hard when Raider fans don't think that John Gruden wants this team to win and doesn't want to nail every single player and doesn't want this to work brilliantly for you, the Raider fans. I'm amazed by that. Judge John Gruden all you want on play calling, winning and losing, whatever you want to do. But don't ever judge John Gruden on his passion for wanting this team to be great. Not going back out of retirement for another team, only wanting to come out of retirement to be the head coach of the Raiders because he felt that he could help Mark Davis and this organization get to a level of championships again. And it's not easy. It's hard. And they're playing in a division with Patrick Mahomes. And they got to get specific players to match Kansas City. We've covered all that. And it's hard. But for the people that are losing confidence that he isn't the right guy for the job, no, you, you criticize him for bad signings and players that are getting released in this. This is fair. This is open game. But to me, Trent Brown deserves 98% of the heat on what's happening here. Let me get out to Nick in Long Island, where I'm from. How are you, Nick? JT, what's up, man? How you been? Nick, are right, you there? So, You're up next. Go ahead. Yeah, how's it going, JT? Good, Nick. Go ahead. All right. Um, you were going through the long list of uh, things. The one thing you left out, big thing, the COVID tracking device. Refused to wear it. He costed the entire O-line practice that week. John Abraham, John Abrams couldn't play in the game against Tampa. They got moved from Sunday night against Tampa to an afternoon game, which was, uh, you know, for the, as far as the organization was concerned, it was a big deal. I mean, the guy is just selfish. He, he, and then everyone feels bad. He had COVID. I mean, listen, I don't know the guy, but following him on social media, his personality is insufferable. With the, I'm the greatest underdog. He, he's 6'8". I mean, the guy is so athletic. His gold is God-given ability and refers to himself as an underdog. He's the highest-paid offensive lineman of all time. Greatest underdog. And then week one against Carolina, he doesn't practice all summer. And then he comes in for three plays, and he's on the bench, smiling, getting his calf, his calf massage. The national anthem week one, the whole team was uh, standing side by side. He stood behind the team. I don't know if you remember that. That was another thing. Get him out of here. He's a cancer. I'm sick of every week, even going back to 2019. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Oh, Trent Brown. Every week, Trent Brown, is he playing? Did he practice? Every Tuesday, you're waiting. Enough of this guy. Take that $14 million and get it on somebody else on the offensive line, maybe half half, half the salary on another right tackle. I've had enough of that guy. Goodbye. Yeah, bring, Good bring in a, thank you, you, Nick. Yeah, bring in a legacy like Kyle Long, who reportedly is coming back, and we know what he's been able to do. They're, they're going to figure it out. But now the Raiders, what's the big takeaway? What's the big takeaway here as we wrap up the monologue? And I remind you, when it comes to Cognac, there is no Sweet 16, no Elite eight or a final four, there's only a number one seed. And my number one seed in the cognac bracket is Remy Martin. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. What is the takeaway from the monologue? It's simply this. The hell with Trent Brown. Anybody who doesn't want to be here, 
and doesn't want to give maximum effort all the time, get them the hell out. It's unfortunate when they cash guaranteed dollars. It's unfortunate when they do that. And when Antonio Brown runs in the backyard and says, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, and slaps John Gruden in the face for everything that Gruden did to give him a start in Napa with the Raiders. And Trent Brown sends out some cryptic crap Instagram message on the way out that he's going back to New England. The hell with him. Get guys in here who want to play. The Raiders now have some cap relief. And then now it's go time. It's go time. I've given you my concerns about where this roster is. I'm not a big believer in this roster. I'm not on the defensive side. And they got to come in, clean up on aisle 12. They got to come in here quickly. And we got great sound from Eric Allen from his interview from Gus Bradley. Gus, get on the Gus bus. Get on it with Gus. Clean up the defense. Bring in a couple of players. And now you got to get two offensive linemen or hope that the offensive linemen who, st- who can step up and play do a hell of a job. But the core of this team, the core of the offense with Carr, Waller, Rodney Hudson, Renfro, hopefully Aguilar, Henry Ruggs III who's working his ass off, Josh Jacobs who has a lot to prove after his mishap in the offseason or when the season just ended. Hopefully these guys all come together and the leaders – the cream rises to the top because Al Davis and Mark Davis didn't have to worry about this decades ago. They had leaders. They had men among men who loved being Raiders, were committed to excellence, pride and poise, showed up every day, and were accountable. Trent Brown was not one of those guys. JT, as we continue, 702-365-9200. These are those days where you get a free radio show. As I tweeted out, I don't plan on doing any heavy lifting today. Maybe you could help me today and get this thing going and let Trent Brown and all of New England know what you think on this one as we continue. JT, right here, thanks to Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Hopefully it's a team that when we're all done, you know, that it is a fast, physical team that gets the ball out, that's aggressive on the perimeters. You know, that type of mindset, that's an effort-based defense. You know, and I think if that's when someone comes into our building, our stadium, and that's the way they're talking about us, Uh then you know we're, we're starting to head in the right direction. Well, that's Gus Bradley. He was on the Raiders report with Eric Allen. Eric's going to join us at some point here. We've been texting back and forth on his conversation with Gus Bradley, but the Raiders have uh, a situation now where Trent Brown was traded. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details of the trade. They basically dumped the salary. They moved out of Trent Brown because he was lazy. He was out of shape, didn't want to be here. And Trent Brown proved that. You know, the, the crazy part was, you know, there were some people around the Raider Nation here over the last, you know, couple of weeks who – believed that it was okay for this guy and maybe that they could have got something more out of him. And he's happy to be a New England Patriot. He's happy to be a New England Patriot, which means if the Raiders would have tried to convince him to come back, and he did, his heart wouldn't have been in the right place. So Trent Brown didn't want to be here. And Trent Brown put out on his Instagram his arms up in the air, 
and he said, I love it here at Patriots. And when you put that out, Ian Rappaport put it out. That's it. And Trent Brown was a guy who took money. Trent Brown, seven hours ago, tweeted, money don't mean blank. If you ain't happy, I swear to God. So he basically told everybody that he swears it's not about the money because he wasn't happy here. He's pretty happy when those checks were clearing every two weeks, I can tell you that. So he moves on, and Raider fans, you get a Trent Brown radio show. That's the focus of the show. We want you to recap your opinion of Trent Brown, and you don't have to agree with me. You can think he's a great player, and you liked him as a player. I remember the post-game show that I did after the Kansas City game, the win at Kansas City on the road, and he played so well. We spent most of the post-game show talking about how great he was in that game and how the Raiders and the Raiders had protection and Carr played well, and we were hoping to see him more, but that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So you can get back in the rotation. We're taking heavy calls today on this topic. Lon Kruger, former UNLV head coach, now head coach at Oklahoma, is going to join us. Also, Jeff Sherman in a few moments on a gaming perspective, second half of the NBA. We have a couple of scheduled guests that we're going to get to. Mike in Fresno. Mike, thanks for calling. What's happening, Mike? JT, thank you for the venom today. It's much needed and much appreciated. Hey, uh, look, this started with Trent Brown right away. I'm not going to drop any names here on a national radio show, but I got a buddy of mine that worked for the Raiders, did for years, um, told me to my face in the parking lot last year after, I don't know, midway through the season, that in his career working for the team, Trent Brown was the laziest player he's ever seen, ever. From what I hear, they, they basically had to beg the dude to do his job. Um, it's completely frustrating. I mean, team's ready to win. The offense was the best we've seen in 20 years with this team. I mean, you're 6'8", 380 pounds, God-gifted ability. Didn't care. I mean, it's the number one It's the number one concern when you sign free agents. The number one concern. How are you going to handle the money? The dude's not mentally strong. He's weak. He doesn't represent this team. And it's the last – this clown's the last kind of guy you want around a bunch of young players. It's ridiculous. And this should put – you know what? Other dudes on notice. Like, if you're Brandon Parker, this isn't a scholarship sport. You've been on this team for three years. You know, you look decent in the run game in spot duty, but you're a matador in, pra- in pass protection. You know, you either get with it or get gone. Um, no, nothing left to be said. This started from day one. It's a mistake. Good riddance. Uh, whatever. See you later, man. Yeah, it's an unfortunate mistake. It's an unfortunate mistake. Thanks for the call, Mike, that he got – all that money, and he had all that upside, and he didn't live up to it. And he didn't have that Hall of Fame passion for the game. He didn't. And, you know, I'll let Lincoln Kennedy, he has a big radio and TV footprint with the Raiders. Lincoln Kennedy will clean this up better than anybody. In regards to the position, Lincoln played the same position. He's night and day to Lincoln Kennedy. I mean, Lincoln Kennedy, can you imagine if Lincoln Kennedy was given this much money and Lincoln Kennedy was born... 10 years later than he was or 15 years later and you paid a guy like Lincoln Kennedy this type of money, you'd know you'd get out of it. It's a risk-reward business. You don't know what's going to happen when players get paid. And I really believe that this is a great example, a great example in modern Raider history for a guy who got paid and then just checked out. Uh, Allen in Vegas, you're up next. What's going on, Allen? Uh, JT. I've been clamoring for him to get the hell out of Vegas for so long, and he's finally gone. I feel the weight off my shoulders. I feel so relieved now. But 
credit John and Mike for uh, for not using the card word where they would say, you know what, he has the guaranteed money. We already paid him. Let's let's see if he can play one more year. No, to hell with him. He he's not available. He can't play. Get him out of here and let's go find someone who wants to be in Vegas, who wants to play for the Raiders, the, the legendary Raiders, and someone who is available to play. Yeah, that's the goal. You want to have guys who are available to play and guys that you're going to pay, and then they're going to exceed what you paid them. You want to get a deal. When you sign players, you want to get players that are not making as much money, and then they prove that they're worth more, and then you have the luxury to give them more. I mean, the Raiders are dealing with that with Nelson Aguilar. They brought him in. I thought he exceeded his play. Now the Raiders have to make a decision. Do they pay him what the market is or more, or do they try to get someone else? Uh, Those are the tough decisions that teams need to make. Thanks for the call. I was telling you about the column that Tom Curran wrote, and he wrote about Trent Brown's career. And he said originally the San Francisco 49ers seventh-round pick in 2015, Brown was traded to the Patriots during the 2018 NFL draft along with the fifth-round pick. The Niners got a third-rounder in return. Brown played right tackle for the Niners but joined the Patriots with no particular place to go since that spot was held down by Marcus Cannon. Brown was a high upside project. The knock on Brown when he got to New England was that the six foot eight, 380 pounder just couldn't keep up with the conditioning. Coaching legend Dante Sarnecchia made Brown his 2018 summer project. When rookie Isaiah Wynn, a former first round drafted player to replace Nate Solder, tore his Achilles in training camp, Brown stepped in at left tackle. He played 97.7% of the snaps. He allowed three sacks in 16 games. The Patriots won the Super Bowl in large part because of their ability to run the ball effectively. Brown was a major part of that too. A free agent in 2019, Brown signed with the Raiders right away. Four years, $66 million, with $36.75 million guaranteed. That became the highest contract ever for a tackle in league history. In 2019, Brown missed five games. In 2020, he played three snaps in the season opener before a calf injury put him on injured reserve until week five. He came back, played one game, contracted COVID, and ultimately missed 11 games. Brown for the Raiders played 16 games over two seasons. They paid him all of the guaranteed dough. $36.75 $36.75 million. He was down to make $13.75 in salary this year. In trading him to the Patriots, Las Vegas got out from under that hit and picked up a fifth rounder next year. It sums it up beautifully. When we come back, Jeff Sherman joins us. We'll talk to him about some of the moving odds, NFL future odds, NBA the second half, the Players' Championship and find out what's happening from a gaming perspective. We do it with him every two weeks in Vegas, and we appreciate that. The Henderson Hyundai Superstore on Boulder Highway in Henderson has the super deals you're looking for. Go see Frank and his team and just walk the lot and see all of the great luxury vehicles, Hyundais, SUVs, crossovers. You'll thank me for it.
for me to be here in Oakland, a part of the Oakland Raiders, and be able to be on the last team that will ever be here in Oakland is something special in itself. So it's pressure in that, it's excitement in that, and there's a lot that come with that. And I'm here today ready to embrace all that. That was Trent Brown when he signed with the Oakland Raiders. I call BS. Uh, JT, back with you as we continue. We have the pleasure of talking to the Vice President of Risk Management at the Superbook at the Westgate every two weeks, Jeff Sherman. Uh, Jeff, let's begin with the Brooklyn Nets, with the signing of Blake Griffin and what they look like in the second half. How's that affected the future odds for the NBA Finals? Yeah, we've uh, made them the favorite for the first time this year. We have them at five to two, down from eleven to four. The Lakers uh, are static right now at eleven to four as a second choice, and we bumped some of the other teams up a little bit. But uh, the addition of Griffin, and uh, you know, they did well right before the All Star break with Durant out of the lineup. So to be able to get him back and add Griffin into the mix, we know people are going to be looking to bet him, and we're already seeing some of that show up at five to two. That is really interesting to me. So you saw something with your analysis with Durant out, and I'm assuming that's the play of Harden and how Harden looked the last couple of weeks. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, we had about a month ago, Harden was 100-1 to for the MVP, and now he's 12-1, to the fourth choice. So it's been his play, not Irving, not Durant, that's really propelled the team to where they are. What about the Utah Jazz? They were the best team in the first half of the year. They've been called out. Uh, by a few and a few analysts, and I think they're a really good team. I love their ball movement. I love what they're going to do. I think a lot of it with Utah is going to be where they end up in the seeding in the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, you know, just about a week and a half ago, it looked like they were uh, putting some some distance for the number one seed. But Phoenix has made a charge. They're only two games back in the loss column right now. So uh, Utah does need to get that number one seed. You know, they're one of the rare teams that has home fans. So that could be an advantage if they were to play the Lakers or Clippers who look like they might not have home fans. So uh, they do need to get that number one seed, but there's still a long way to go. They are very highly power rated on a game-to-game basis. Utah has been a road favorite quite often. Uh, Just before the break, they were laying three points at the 76ers even though they lost. So their power rating is right there with some of the best teams. Are sharp dollars coming in on Philadelphia? Still, I know we talked about the Sixers about a month ago and how a lot of sharps were on them, and they look really good for a, for a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, it subsided somewhat on them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we're dealing with uh, some health protocols with Embiid and Simmons, and hopefully they'll be able to play on Thursday, but they missed the All-Star game, and that could affect them trying to uh, lock down the number one seed against the Nets and even the Bucks. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out if they'll be ready to go. We're talking sports gaming. Jeff Sherman is our guest, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate, the Superbook. Let's move to the odds to win the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Tampa Bay has been a favorite. They're really good. They're defending champs. We in Vegas have been taking a look at the Golden Knights in the play of Marc-Andre Fleury in Colorado and Boston. Who are some of the teams that are surging right now? Well, Toronto's been one, and that's mostly because uh, the division there in the Canadian division, mm-hmm. they really don't have too much competition. So they've been seeing a lot of support. They're down to ten to one from twelve to one, but the Knights keep getting the support. They're six to one. They're still co-favorites with the Avalanche, who that team's really struggling due to the injuries they've had to McCarr and to McKinnon. Uh, and Tampa Bay has been eased out to seven to one. Boston's been very supported too, very well supported, and they're they're sitting at ten to one also. Jeff Sherman joins us. Jeff, one of your many strengths is golf. You love setting the number for golf, and I can't wait for the Players' Championship. First, Bryson DeChambeau and how he put the field away 
at the Arnold Palmer, was there a lot of money coming into him on Saturday and or Sunday looking at the rest of the leaderboard, which wasn't as strong as this upcoming Players' Championship? Yeah, they shied away from him a bit. He was one of the better results for us. and uh, you know He was 2-1 to one going into Sunday's play, but uh, we saw support elsewhere, and he came away with it. And uh, He had some fun drives there on the sixth hole where he was clearing the water, but you know that's not going to be the case this week. It's a lot more of a, a tougher field this week. And he's sitting at 18-1. to 1. We're not seeing too much wagering support on him after opening him at 14-1. to 1. So I bumped him up a few units. Tell me about Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, and May- uh, Colin Morikawa. Uh, the way he's been playing at what he's done at the age of 25 with a World Golf Championship and a major. Let's talk about those. Yeah, DJ is a favorite at 12 to 1, and you know he's slumped recently compared to what we've seen over the past few months. And I guess it's a relative slump in his terms because he's still rated the number one golfer in the world. McRoy just is not winning, and that's why you see his odds is 16 to 1 for defending champions. Uh, you know he'll he'll not even really threaten the tournament. He did in the first round last week, but he faltered. And usually he's been one that's been coming from behind and not threatening to win. So. You don't see too much wagering support for him. Colin Morikawa coming off his win at the WGC opened relatively low at 20 to 1. People are looking to bet him, and they are for the Masters already. Jeff Sherman's our guest. So, Jeff, walk me through what you and your team are doing with college basketball. I'm interviewing, as you know, a lot of coaches now. And we have conference tournaments, and then we see the NCAA tournaments when the bracket comes out. A lot of people are telling me, is it Gonzaga against the field? Gonzaga is in Vegas now, but they don't get tested too hard in their conference tournament. What are you seeing with the Gonzaga handle? Yeah, I mean, Gonzaga is one of our liabilities. Uh, We don't Mm. consider it Gonzaga versus the field. I mean, you still have Michigan and Baylor. Uh, You know, Baylor, people shied away from them just because they had all that time off with the health protocols. But now that they're coming back and playing well again, we're starting to see that money show up and their odds are dipping back down. And Michigan's been very well supported. So there's a lot of believers in Michigan that they can win the whole thing. So usually you don't get swayed in the industry and especially over at the Westgate with what we're going to see in a conference tournament. Pretty much all the work's been put in. You know these teams already, or could something change here in a couple of days? Yeah, I mean, the culprits at the top aren't going to move too much, but you might have a team come from deep in the tournament. Let's just say Kentucky, a popular team, were to go on a run and win their conference tournament. You'd see a drastic change in their odds because they're a popular team as it is, and right now they have long odds. So. Uh, things can happen with some of the longer shots can move up, but the teams at the top, even if they were to lose, it's not going to alter their odds. Hey, Jeff, finally, tell me something on win totals for Major League Baseball. You've been doing this a while. That's fascinating to you. Well, the dichotomy of how high the Dodgers are and how low the Pirates are. Uh, and we're continuing to see some over-support on the Dodgers and under-support for the Pirates. So uh, no matter how far the extremities are, you still get that, that type of support going that direction. What about my Yankees? What do I need to know on the Yankees' win total? Well, uh, as long as they can stay healthy. They've been one of the teams that they need a, a training staff that can keep, keep that team healthy. They're sitting at 97.5, and we see injuries, Stanton and Judge, all the time with them. So yeah. they, they really need to stay healthy to achieve that. I have no confidence that they can stay healthy with the way <laughs> they swing, with the way they swing for the fences. Jeff, always a pleasure talking to you. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Thank you. All right. Thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman, how good is that? I mean, we covered every sport. We covered the NBA, told you that the Brooklyn Nets are now the favorite to win the NBA Finals. So, Laker fans, do you feel like there's value there now to go in and put down a ticket on the Lakers there? And what about some of the other teams there 
the Dodgers over the top of that win total is hard for me to believe because you got to factor in injuries. And then March Madness. Speaking of March Madness, Lon Kruger will join us next hour. It's going to be tough for me to match my initial uh, monologue on Trent Brown. But if you missed it, I'll try to do that. I'm kind of like a singer in a band. I do a first set and then a second set. Usually my opening track is my big one and my encore. I'll try to open up the second set coming at Trent Brown again. Something I'm really excited to do on Raider Nation Radio. 